is the question. Wrong claim. <laughs> Sir! Be so fun to pull, and then let these words be said. There's nothing so poetic as a well-placed smack upside the head! What light through yonder window breaks? If I were to tell thee that there lives in Padua such a woman as suits your needs, she be very wealthy and in dire need of a suitor, wouldst thou be interested? Wouldst? Does beareth beareth? Doth bees beeth? Saith what? Hell yeah! Though I wish it were amongst my talents to play piano for you. Tis a sad state indeed. You're the only man I know who suffereth from pianist envy. What's shaking, y'all? Sister, father, Padua, goest thou to hell! So, welcome to another episode of Yeah, Uh-Huh with Lisa, Aaron, and Phil. This week we have Harvey Laguerre visiting us from Men Are the Prize. The podcast. The podcast. Harvey. Hello, thank you for having me. First of all, you said my last name perfectly. That rarely ever happens. So that's a great start. You so well done. Thank you for that. Once I've once I've heard a name correctly, I can say it right. Usually. That's awesome. Yeah, I don't that's know what to think about this, but I've been waking up every morning and I hear your name because she's been practicing. So I'm like, what does that really mean? <laughs> <laughs> There's too many jokes there. I'm just yeah, I'm not doing it. Harvey Laguerre. <laughs> Uh, but it's been a long time coming, and we're glad that you're. We finally could put this together because we've been yes. trying to put it together. Yes, yes. Um, as a stay-at-home dad of four, my schedule is all over the place, mm-hmm. especially with the summer. Then it's keeping these kids entertained and just dealing with life and all that. But I'm glad, and this is a subject that I love to talk about. So awesome. this is not a problem what's, at all. What's the age range of the four kids? So I have a 19-year-old son. I have a 17-year-old daughter, I have a 13-year-old daughter, and I have an 8-year-old daughter. Okay. Wow. So I'm outnumbered. That's the range. Oh, yeah. Yes. We also have a dog that's a girl. We have two cats that are both girls. So it is just me and my son. We're just trying to hang on as we are dominated by the women in the house. So that's what we Trying to hang on. That sounds about right. I I do (laughs) want to say that um, the, the female impairment empowerment movement of the last few decades moving further and further into girl power girl power girl power um has me concerned that that maybe some of our sons are being left behind Mm, that's an interesting yes um i don't know about being left behind i think we are the focus has been shifted and rightfully so um women have been well not that it stopped but women have been disrespected forever and they continue to be. The issue that kind of comes into play is that the idea of what masculinity is has changed because, you know, we men were supposed to be a certain thing. We were supposed to take care of people. We were supposed to do all that. But with, with female empowerment now, you know, there's I don't need no man, that kind of thing. So a lot of men wonder what it means to be a man. What am I supposed to do? Do I open the door for her? But will she get mad if I do it? Because she doesn't need me. A lot has come about. So it kind of works into how I end up doing the podcast because I think masculinity is such an important subject for men and how we're supposed to be. And is there a specific way I'm supposed to be masculine? 
or the way I really look at it, there is no definition of masculinity. Every man is his own person. You don't have to be what society says. Be you. Yeah. Yeah. And then, of course, you've got the the dynamic fostered by um, shows like Maury, which I enjoy Maury. You know, I mean, I do. I like watching it. I, I'm waiting to see, you know, are you the father? <laughs> um, but conversely, this is a reflection of the society we have where women are forced to take care of this child while men are not. There is no real men other than some dollars thrown at thrown you know yanked out of their bank account once we know it's their child they're not actually expected to be fathers but Hmm. simply piggy banks Hmm. interesting even once they're determined to be the dad and i mean we've got what is it there was one guy the other day the episode that i saw was um this guy was there being tested for his 24th kid wow this I would think that's, be a, his that's more particular kid. to Mari than it's anything not else. It's the 24th time <laughs> he was tested. Well, I mean, they're going out and they're trying it's to... It's his 24th kid. They're actively trying to and, find these cases. Yeah. My, yeah. my, yeah, my, my brother's that's the, father. It's not representative yeah. of... Uh, yeah. Well, yeah. But still, it's, you know, paternity court. Yeah. Right. Okay? There is no maternity court. Mm-hmm. Of course, that would be dumb, but still. Yeah, it wouldn't really uh, make sense. My, yeah, we're my, all about entertainment. Father, it's personal to still, me because still my, trying to find out who the mother is. Yeah. Right. My brother's father has twenty-four children. He wanted a girl, so he continued having children until he got a girl. His youngest child is a girl. Okay. Mm-hmm. So he has twenty-three Most sons. Most of them were out of yes. He has twenty-three sons, and um, most of them were out of wedlock, and he did not take care of any of them. Wow. You're bringing up stuff Maury couldn't even resolve. He had two children with someone. He didn't marry his wife until uh, his girlfriend until the daughter was born. Yeah. They got married after their daughter was born. He refused to marry anyone. He married my mother. They have my brother. So that's one child in wedlock. The rest of them out of wedlock. And he did not pay anything to any of them. Okay. Unless he was living in their house at the time. Well, Harvey, you set a record for fastest and most distant tangent. In a <laughs> Harvey, tell us a little bit more about well, men are the prize. Yeah, this is about men and, and oh, men's okay. health and prizes. And- okay. Yeah. <laughs> so a few years ago during COVID, I, uh, me and my wife started a podcast because we were in the house and we weren't going anywhere. Mm-hmm. And we started a podcast called Love is Black. Because we would have good relate. Obviously, we're married. We'd have good conversations. And since we couldn't go anywhere because of COVID, we were in the house. And we're like, let's just get together and start putting a microphone in our room. We have our conversations. We have a we, you know, I love my wife and clearly and then obviously she loves me. We have differences of opinion on a lot of things. We don't agree on a lot of things. So our conversations sure. tend to be pretty good. So like just get a microphone in the room. First season was just how we got together, our relationship, everything. Second season, we started talking to Black couples to hear their love stories. The reason we ended up doing it is because Black relationships are not always presented in the most positive means. You'll see a lot Black, a lot of Black relationships aren't relationships, but they're episodes of Maury, like you mentioned, or somebody throwing somebody on Jerry Springer, or the shenanigans that happened there. 
we wanted to show black relationships as the good love stories that they are. So we presented ourselves and everybody else. And we kept doing that. And from there, I decided I wanted to do something of my own, something for men. And that's where Men Are the Prize came from. A podcast for men to be open, vulnerable, emotional, for us to talk about what's going on, about masculinity, about fatherhood, about just being a good human being in general, about talking about what's going on with us because we're not allowed to do that. And that's a blatant fact. And that's because a lot of men who attempt to tell their partner what's going on, they're not supported. Inevitably, it gets thrown back at them. And a lot of men, because of that, you get a man will give you one chance in a lot of cases to be emotional. <laughs> there you go. Mm -hmm. A lot of men will give their partner one chance and will be open. And if they're rebuffed, they won't do it. And that's just that's where depression comes on. That's why we attempt suicide far more than women do. That's why we have all these issues. That's why men are the higher rate of victims for violence than women are. Things happen to men. We don't talk about that stuff. So I wanted to open up a space for men to be able to talk, no judgment or anything. So that's the serious podcasting that I do. Aside from that, I'm an 80s kid. Mm -hmm. I will talk about this decade with anybody. And that's how I end up doing the brackets and such. That's Bracket Bastards. That yeah. is the masturbators, the weekly drafts that we do. I love talking about this stuff. But Men of the Prize is my pride and joy. It's getting a man in there and for an hour or so, making him the subject which yeah. is something that rarely ever happens. We men are never the topic of discussion. We're rarely at the top of our list. We're usually taking care of others. Right. So but That's great, man. I like, I, I kind of knew a little bit. I heard you talk about it before, but I, it's like, I think that's a really noble and needed, uh, you know, topic or, you know, it, it fills a, a void that was out there. Like, I, yes, you know, yes, as a man, I, I, you know, I, 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 keep stuff in right you know I, right. there's stuff that eats at me and uh you know i kind of feel like uh, i'm just gonna I'll, sometimes i'll lay it out for lisa but you know but Aww, yeah i think it's said that yeah but, but for the most part it would be someone that shuts you down <laughs> not always no yeah i know my mom laughed at my dad's dancing one time and he didn't laugh dance again for 13 years mm. so you know <laughs> well i think yeah. that's great though, harvey so that's we were really excited to have you on Thank you. Because um, we, you know, it's, feel like men are the prize. I guess it can be found anywhere you find your podcasts. Exactly. Do you have a special yeah. link you'd like people to visit for that? Well, if you see my name, well, if my name's on the screen, I have a website. And strangely enough, it's called harveylaguerre.com. So you can literally go to my name, my website, and every episode you can listen to or watch. I um, I just finished season two. I'm going to take a little sabbatical because I did 50 episodes for season wow. two. Wow. Need a break? Yeah. I love talking to men, but it was a lot of talking and such. And, you know, got to keep my mental health on the up and up, too. Um, yeah. What for as we're recording the Love is Black podcast, we just started season five. And for that, we're doing something different. We are not going to have guests. We are telling a love story. So between me and Carice, we're each writing a chapter of a book. And every week we're going to read it. Oh, nice. So it's going to be 30 episodes. So drop today. Thursday, fiction or nonfiction? It is nonfiction. We are writing okay. the so it's, it's no, like I'm sorry. a memoir fiction. or diary. Okay, it's fiction. fiction. You're making okay. Fiction. We yeah. are writing the great black love story. And like each of us reads a character. So Carice represents the woman and her name is Vibe. And I'm playing and I'll be reading the part of the man writing that and his name is Brandon. And which every week we're gonna do it. So she read the first chapter today. 
well, it dropped today. Next week, it'll be me. And we just wanted to do something different. And so well, that sounds really mixing cool. it up. Thank uh, you. I have to check yeah. that out. And you can find that at loveisblackpodcast.com. Same thing. And you can listen or you can watch those. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> all right? oh. Oopsie. It's that time of season, I guess. Mm -hmm. um, Cincinnati in the fall, in, in the whenever it is. Summer. Actually, it's, summer. it's Cincinnati. Yeah. So <laughs> today, this is a reruns forensic episode. This is chapter version seven. And wow. RV was asked to bring an episode to the table and based on his podcasts and the, the things that he likes to uh, break down. I'm not at all surprised that he chose uh, Moonlighting, their kind of classic episode, Atomic Shakespeare, mm -hmm. based on the taming of the shrew. Um, mm -hmm. So, Harvey, you can articulate better than us why this is such a special episode to you so i want to give you the floor here thank you um this episode was shown november 25th of 1986 1986 is a special year for me so i will tell you about this episode but i'll tell you why this year is special i was born i am born in bread i'm a new yorker through and through my favorite sport is baseball my favorite team, yeah. New York Mets. All right. 1986, to be OGM. specific. OGM. Yes. Yeah. To be specific. What was it? Um, do I have the date here? Did I have the date? No. Yes, I do. October. October 25th, four days before my 12th birthday, I was at the best baseball game of all time. I was at game six at Chase Stadium. Oh, boy. Where the, Mets, yep. where the Mets beat the Red Sox with the ball through Bill Buckner's legs. The greatest baseball game of all time. Okay. Yeah. So that that well, that's towards the end of the year. That's like the best thing. And then obviously the last thing of that year that I remember is this episode. But aside from that, the year started off with the Challenger disaster. Mm -hmm. It continued on with Chernobyl. Obviously, then sports, life, and great movies that I love. For example, Howard the Duck came out in 1986. I love Howard the Duck. Phil and I graduated high school together in 1986. Oh, right. see, that was a good year. That yeah. was a good year. Right. And yeah, that's your list. <laughs> oh, yeah. <the> list. <laughs> and for me, 1986, when I got to watch, watch TV, were two shows that I loved a lot. One of them was L.A. Law, which I absolutely loved. Yeah. And the other one was Moonlight. In my opinion, Moonlighting is the, I, it's mine and I will defend it, is the greatest TV show of all time. I've loved it. I love the writing. I love the relationship that those two characters had, even though they didn't really like each other. I love the way they did it. I love how they pretty much broke the fourth wall so much. They look right to the camera. That end of that end of that run, they were basically talking to people who watched the show. So it's just one of my favorite things that I love to watch. The episode we're speaking about is from season three, episode seven. It is called Atomic Shakespeare. Quick synopsis is a student starts to watch Moonlighting. Then his mom appears and reminds him he has to read Taming of the Shoe, William Shakespeare, for school. He starts to read and the cast of Moonlighting enacts the play. And from there, the fun writing, just the randomness. It's it's so much fun. I watched it again today while I was just making dinner for the kids. It is so much fun watching two of my favorite characters do Shakespeare and enjoy themselves. 
And they did a brilliant job. The reason I think it's perfect is because the rela- the relationship between David and Maddie fits mm-hmm. that play. Mm-hmm. Like they hate each other, that they love each other. It's a it's an interesting dynamic and it fits it perfectly. And in terms of the acting, I never thought Sybil Shepherd was a fantastic actress. I didn't see her as doing a great job with Shakespeare, but playing the shrew, it fit her perfectly and she did well. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Did I didn't expect job. David. I didn't expect Bruce Willis to be a good. He's not. He's not like a classically trained actor. That was a surprise for me. Yeah. yeah, and he did well while still being that cocky David Addison part. He was able to do that part while still keeping that cocky guy he's always been. Whether it's Die Hard or any other movie, that same guy, but he was in Shakespeare. It was amazing. So I enjoyed watching that. It's fun. I hate Shakespeare to be honest. I'm not a big fan of that stuff. I'll watch this episode over and over again because it's so much fun right. yeah well the, so. the the bmw the sunglasses the you know Everything. yeah the sunglasses on the horse with the bmw written on the <laughs> side of the horse i mean don't you feel like that yeah. that's his sense of humor like i know somebody else got the writing credit but you can't tell me that bruce willis didn't have some say in some of the yeah. gags that, that went yeah down. one would think i don't know there's the two guys that wrote it they said basically their first draft is what what made it on to the show and usually usually the creator like rewrites the whole thing practically and i think he just tweaked one thing at the end of the fourth act or something like that so this is really what they wrote and they had no time so like writing pages almost up to you know almost racing the camera toward the end of it yeah and then and then you've got uh licentio who is in effect a compilation character simply because bianca had many more suitors and Lucentio was not the guy who won yeah. in the real in in Shakespeare. So they kind of, you know. Yeah, you cut for time. You only have like forty three minutes right, taking out right, the commercial. Right. So Un- completely yeah. understandable, but just so in case um, your Shakespeare nuts out there are listening to this because it's Atomic Shakespeare, we're we're like, you know, yeah, we know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that was well done, Harvey. Thank yes. you. Appreciate the mm-hmm. run down there. Uh, yeah, I, I I need to say something here. Right up here on the screen, Phillips made these notes. This is his note. Short, dumpy guy from Porky sees Alice Beasley. <laughs> I couldn't remember his name. I just had to be able to visualize it. It's just for image. He wasn't in Porky's either, was he? No, he's Revenge of the Nerds. Revenge yeah. of the Okay. I remember it was uh, one of those uh, tights. Yeah. The... He's also from Better Off Dead, one of my favorite yeah. movies of all time. I've got, a, I've yep. got the whole thing on Curtis Armstrong today. Curtis Armstrong, who's got a great biography, if you ever want to read one. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Okay. So, yeah. All right. Yes, mm-hmm. I, I've seen him in a lot of different roles. To this yeah. day, I think you'll see him. Yeah, and he's very much, he's an excellent actor. Yeah. yeah. And he's a big voice actor, too. He's on, um. Yeah. which one is he doing? Is it American Dad? He's, he's American on American Dad. Dad's one of the ones he's doing yeah. right now. Mm-hmm. Um, Monsters at Work, I think, still going. Mm-hmm. And there's the uh, only classically trained actor to do this episode. Yeah, the He's only, the only sh- the one who Shakespeare at all, which is hilarious. And him and um, K- Kate's father are the only two that that had ever done Shakespeare. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay, well there you go. I mean, it reminded me of Spaceballs, kind of in a way. Yeah, yeah. Kind of, yeah. I kind of the dad, the dad, the kind of dumpy dad with the daughter. That kind of relationship, mm-hmm. even though it was kind of frayed, but it's right. it's a, it fits perfectly in that vibe. You could never take Moonlighting too seriously. I like the I like the beginning and end with the the mom and the kid how they're only right. shot like from the shoulders down you don't see their right. faces 
Kind right. of reminded me of Ren and Stimpy. The, or peanuts. <laughs> the people yeah. in that. Yeah. It reminded oh. me of Princess Bride, actually. Yeah. The kind of, you know, little thing with the parent and the kid, and then you mm-hmm. go from there and the story. I enjoyed that. Yeah. Yeah. Was that but, Peter Falk? Yeah. I felt like the uh, story to uh, um, the Fred Savage. Yeah, Fred Savage. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I felt like it was perfectly, you know, like like you were talking about Harvey that it seemed to fit everybody's role seemed to fit their character and and uh, taming of the shrew. I thought that mm-hmm. Sybil Shepherd was, uh, you know, almost it almost borderline on typecasting, but <laughs> she had this image back okay. backstage, you know, that that was commanding that was hard to work with you know she a diva for you know kind of she kind of had that reputation and this kind of she played off of it really well and that's why her scenes kind of resonated and really kind of mm-hmm. you know um like when she said goeth to hell you know she would <laughs> screech it you know and but she she would have an incredulous look on her face that oh, was yeah. all tongue in cheek you know it was like oh was she wasn't acting yeah. i don't think she was yeah. acting that was i don't know about feminism but that was girl power at its finest yeah. And and because that character probably wasn't the most pro-feminism at that time. She's a model who takes over an agency. Mm-hmm. So, you know, little typecast type of thing. But I feel like when she got to be that part, mm-hmm. it wasn't hard, especially up against Bruce Willis, where their relationship was kind of, you know, was tumultuous at times anyway. I yeah. felt like the most believable was the beginning and the less... It was harder to believe at the end when they were supposed to be more romantic. Like when she leans him over and kisses him, that's the fakest kiss I've ever seen ever. It's like, just do it, <laughs> get it done, mouth closed, whatever. There was no you have a thousand takes later. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. The sooner you do it, the less you have to. Get it done. Get her done. Yeah. So Petruccio comes into town and he accepts the challenge of taming the shrew. And, you know, it's he's kind of presents himself as a badass with his, uh, you know, sunglass wearing horse, you know, and all that. Heavy and, metal looking. You know. Yeah. And, uh, you know, yeah. ninja ass kicking. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He had to sing, of course. And, you know, Bruce Willis had to sing. Right. Yeah. So it's only a matter of time. Right. Harmonica blowing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so had express yourself come out by then. I wonder. I didn't really think about what? that. That was that was that one. Oh, I'd have to look into that. But hmm. Grant, I'm sorry. No, that's that's cool. Um, I thought it was the scene where uh he actually where they were going to get married. That was pretty. That's where that was so funny. His Bruno character kind of came out when he mm-hmm. did. What was the song he did? It's been a couple of weeks. Good loving. Good, good loving, loving. Right. That was really that was really good. And his outfit. Who was that reminiscent of? I know the hats. Like, he had an earring. Uh, I think he had like yeah, one earring. Like one earring. He had a big curly wig too. Yeah, yeah, he had a big curly. I was. Th- I I keep thinking it's that one guy. He looked uh, good in bondage. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. Uh. Uh. Not flea slash. Uh. I thought like he wears the big stovepipe hat, and he he sometimes he's naked on stage. Hmm. Oh, okay. yeah. pipe hat. It's not slash from you're not talking about him from Guns N' Roses, are right? no. no. Yeah, I no. was thinking of him. Yeah. yeah. Okay. But, but I mean, that's just the 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 hair and the hat. Right. That's, the top what, hat. that's what give that was that that's what that was giving me. Yeah. But then there was these little like things like uh mm-hmm. this crazy shit, like where you look on the uh you know, if you flash away to a scene and says, in case of shrew break glass. <laughs> <laughs> you know, <laughs> that was funny. Yeah. But, yeah. You know, and then the shining 
Yeah. yeah. Here's Petruccio. Yeah, right. right. So but I liked the moonlighting as well. You know, I was a fan as well. But I, I have to say, I passed on this one when it aired. I was like, mm, I don't know. I, I, I was a right. big, I was reluctant for like jump to shark episodes. I was like, uh-huh. it might be getting long in the tooth. And now they're reaching for something weird. Well, so we, I, we were just, we were just starting college when this started. And I was working too. So I was, I wasn't really watching much TV at that point. But I, you know, I watched the first couple seasons of Moonlighting and then kind of tapped out because I wasn't watching much of anything. I was either working or partying or studying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This show didn't, I don't think it had a... Um, and you were 12, maybe- so I'm sure you still kept on re-watching. Oh, oh, I watched it. Oh, definitely. Oh, I, I loved it. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think of the Jumper Shark. Most shows, once you give people what they want, we're done. Yeah. And once you give us David and Maddie, now what? And that's and I think that's the problem it's, that they had. This was the yeah, this was the shark junk moment. Shark, like shark for me, jump when moment. When I was watching it, Agnes and Bert filled that mm. void for me. Okay, okay, yeah, that's true. Big Agnes and, and Bert, oh, big time. I cared more about them than I did Ma- David and Maddie. Yeah, that's yeah. interesting. Yeah. Whenever I see the show, it reminds, and I apologize. I'm not sure I cut somebody off. For me, Agnes, when I see her, I think of her on Cheers. Mm, yeah. One episode she did with Coach is maybe like the best three minutes of just heart wrenching father daughter. Yeah. Coach I was awesome it. on there. It's, I love Darren Japan too, so he was so good. But that 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 was a dad talking to his daughter. It was just it was harsh. She mm. needed to hear it. I love it. I don't cry about anything because it's fiction. But yeah. being as a dad of three daughters, and he's sitting there imploring her that you're the most beautiful girl in the world, and you look just like your mother, and all this stuff. Ooh, and coming from a show like Cheers, which isn't going to be Shakespeare, but it was so good. Mm-hmm. There's another reason I love Moonlighting is I have so many random connections to the show. So mm-hmm. I recall that episode as you describe it. Yeah, that, that yeah, was, it was a really good one. Yeah, I was I was sad when the coach left. Left oh. when he died. <laughs> when oh, he died. God. Yeah. yeah. Oh. Right. Yeah. Although no Woody, other show has ever come off better than, I mean, we lost him and then we get Woody and the show just keeps moving. Right, so that, yeah. that rarely happens. So Yeah. Lost yeah. Shelly long before that. Yeah. Yeah. That was a show that did a pretty good job. I, I, I'm just going to say, I don't feel that Rebecca was that great of a replacement, but um, I, I don't think it was horrible. It didn't damage the show. Well, I think because they tried to create basically Diane number two, you know, right. whereas mm-hmm. when, when coach left, mm-hmm. then Woody was just diametrically different. She, she wasn't right. as academic as Diane or anything. No, right. no, no, but she was a different Sam character, loved. but that's, well, yeah, beat- but they tried to, they try what he means is a new love interest. Yeah. Yeah. Should beat the living tar a new Sam girl married with children. They were on yeah. at the same time. I couldn't mm-hmm. understand why. Anyone well, you could like both Married programs, but like all the people that Aaron and I hung out with, they'd actually get together on Sunday night and watch Married with Children and laugh and laugh. And, you know, Sean and was, hated the show. And I thought that was hated the dumbest it. show. But I said, Cheers is like one of the greatest shows ever done. And well, uh, Cheers guess, was on Thursday. Yeah, exactly. Cheers was that. Yeah, yeah there was took over Thursday nights. Yeah, but there wasn't a buzz about it people, amongst us. We were too young, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, I loved it. Oh, I always That's- watched it. That's yeah. what, what he's saying that's is why didn't they get together on Thursday and watch Cheers? I'm sorry, Harvey. Sunday we were together usually anyway, watching baseball or football and playing Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, uh, 
We go way back, Harvey. I mean, I we, see, I see. Yeah. Like, yeah, Sunday became animation day. Like they couldn't come up with better. Yeah, shows. this is before that. Yeah. Yeah. So before well, the Simpsons were just but, starting, kind right, of. Right. Exactly. But that that would have been eighty eight, eighty nine. First, and then Tracy Ullman, eighty nine. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, anyway, back to back to our <laughs> aiming at the shrew here. Um, you know, eventually, yeah, they get together, uh, which was kind of you know suspend mm -hmm. disbelief. But you know right. they, uh, uh, you know, and they show scenes of of her being shrewish and him reaching forward with kindness, and her being more shrewish and him reaching forward. And over time, they kind of you know got to a point where they were actually speaking to each other. Well, she was trying to deploy uh, reverse psychology with him by trying to be kind of like his his uh, subservient wife and getting him breakfast and stuff like that. And they show him sitting there reading a the paper with his feet up and stuff like that. And she's like, you know, she's trying to ingratiate him that way. But eventually, it as a reverse Because of his kindness. He had been kind to her. Yeah. So she started doing things for him. I don't think that. I think she was trying to find an alternate way to get out of the situation. Because all women are suspicious. <laughs> well, she overheard. In she overheard the the what what do you call the oh, telegram yeah, people? Yeah, Western yeah. Union guy came <laughs> and said that, uh, that they were invited to the wedding next week, and everybody couldn't wait to see whether or not he was tamed and would win the uh, the twenty thousand crowns. Yeah, but she'd already been like doing her wifely duties by then um actually it wasn't until that night the night before if you remember really? he had they, they had that whole little montage where every day he would go to the door to try mm -hmm. to be nice and eventually she gave in and right, right. Him. the only thing i found a little bit strange about that it almost if you watch it it almost appears that she gave him sex because he was being nice to her right because that's what it is. She's like, you know, by you respecting me and such, then I will sleep in your sleep and we will sleep in the same bed. And that's literally what led to them having sex. And the next day, right. and then the next day, that's when they come to the door. So this it's the show. Yeah, this episode doesn't hold up entirely well. <laughs> but yeah, it's but but it neither better than the original Shakespeare, though. I don't think they really expected it to. Yeah, exactly. A lot of stuff from that era. It, it's a up. fun episode to watch. <laughs> it is. So um, much fun. So, so much. many what people would now refer to as Easter eggs. Mm -hmm. Oh, yes. Yeah. 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 They said, oh, this yeah. was the most expensive television episode ever produced up to that point, too. Wow. wow. Which right. is interesting. and But not even close now. I mean, you've got shows like what the the fire shows, like the Chicago Fire or all these cop shows. Yeah, the where they Game of Thrones. Up. Yeah, Game of Thrones, I'm sure. Yeah, all that. Mandalorian. Yeah, you think about that? Mm -hmm. You know. Oh yeah, Disney. I think it was. They make money. I figure it was three and a half to four million dollars for the one episode, which would be like seven and a half to eight million mm -hmm. now. Yeah. And it was mostly because um they had very little lead time before shooting it, and instead of having an A crew and a B crew, they had two A crews shooting all the time and working overtime and around the clock plus they had all the period dress and you know the sets and everything to build horses so it was horses BMW on. exactly well yeah well, probably needed to clear rights with bmw to, to show their logo or well they probably the helped pay for the episode <laughs> yeah one thing one point that really cracked up is when mm -hmm. uh petruccio is sitting there reading the uh the newspaper and he's like 
40 teenagers arrested at the Bach concert with complaints of backwards masking. <laughs> I, was like, <laughs> I was like, wow, that was pretty cool. You know, and it's like, have you ever been, uh, have you ever been at someone else's wedding and it kind of kindles romance? Mm-hmm. We've done that before. We've, yeah. We haven't gone to a lot of receptions, but it's kind of yeah. like, you know, it, it kind of makes it, uh, uh, puts romance in the air or whatever. You know, when uh, Bianca married. This, puts lead in your pencil? Puts lead in the pencil. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> that's a very good description. Yeah, that's what we mean by romance. <laughs> pencil lead. Well, it's you know you can extrapolate what he's saying. Yes. You know? mm-hmm. But um, when Petrucci, uh, when uh, when uh, Bianca marries Desenzio, I felt like that. Desenzio. Mm-hmm. I felt like that was uh, a moment in the episode that gave you pause. That thought about, oh, okay, yeah. that uh, maybe there was and hope for Katarina and uh, yeah, uh huh, for Katarina and uh, Petruccio and Petruccio yeah. and Petruccio, yeah. So they they kept giving it titles, right? Like different um different Each chapters. Acts. Yeah. Different acts, right? And the last one was the big fish. The big finish. I thought it was okay, you're right. The that big finish. Sense. Yeah. <laughs> um so uh so as you know, the question was, has Kate been tamed at the end of the day here? Um, um to his utter surprise, she greets Petruccio warmly. Um, the carpenters play just like me. I thought that was well done. <laughs> you know, um, close to you. Yeah, close to you, just like me. You know, and um, uh, and he says, "I love it when the band plays the oldies." Mm-hmm. Uh, but so eventually, neither a borrowed nor a lender be unless he can compound the interest annually by four <laughs> percent. Was uh, dad's advice to Lucentio? Yeah, Lucentio. They stood around watching this all unfold. But um, um, Petruccio comes for the earnings, you know, that he had won for taming the shrew. Dad informs Petruccio that that Catherine had only Caterina had only been pretending, so he had not owed was not owed the reward. Petruccio offers to prove Caterina is in love with him and has changed. Tis the sun. And not the moon that shines so bright, he says. Uh, Petruccio yeah. with humility. The moon and not the sun. Yes. Um, if you know your Shakespeare, you might know the line better than. Well, not it, was, it was it was the middle of the afternoon. He said it's the moon. Yeah. Thinking on his feet. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Petruccio with humility admits that he had done the deal. He relinquishes the dowry. We're sp- this spoiler alert, by the way. By the way, spoiler. Cat never needed to be tamed. She merely needed to be loved. Kate, Katharina kisses Petruccio in a very masculine way. I wrote that. I don't know why. Oh, because he, she takes yeah, it. She right? leans him over. <laughs> she yeah. takes him yeah. and, uh, and dips him. Does the old Rhett Butler. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And uh, it ends with uh, Katharina, you know, looking into the camera again, breaking the fourth wall and saying, I hate iambic pentameter, which is kind of like the thread of the whole thing. All these people, yep. all these yeah, actors. They said it together. Yeah, yeah we hate right yeah. it's been it had been imposed upon them um almost against their will it seemed but they made it through so there you go that was uh i enjoyed it we watched it twice it's been a couple of weeks that last time we watched it was the, on the eve of the time we were you know our first schedule right but um yeah i i like i said i was a fan of moonlighting and uh i'm glad i've watched this one now it kind of completes the cycle for me yeah. Works for I, me. Maybe I, pull out the DVDs. I've got I I have the whole DVD set, so I'm like, let me find this episode. Let me watch it. 
enjoy it. Listen to the best TV theme song. Right. The Al singing. Al I love that theme. Oh, I love that song. That song was awesome. It yeah. does it for me. Yes. Moose. <laughs> Moonlighting stranger. Any, any closing thoughts, Aaron, before we go to our profiles? Um, yeah. I was reading the uh, oral history of this episode and, or of really of moonlighting. Well, it was of this episode, but the creator said that moonlighting itself, um, they wanted to make another Remington steel. So they said, uh, you know, find a blonde with, with somebody who looks good in a tuxedo and make a show. And he had seen um, Shakespeare in the park with, it was taming of the shrew with Meryl Streep and Raul Julia. And, the, the chemistry between them kind of inspired the writing of, of Moonlighting. And today I watched, uh, they, there's on YouTube, most of the, the whole thing of 1978 Taming of the Shrew with, with uh, Meryl Streep and Raul Julia. And uh, I think she was kind of, she, Sybil Shepherd was doing sort of a Meryl Streep impersonation with this, with the squealing and the screaming and the getting on the ground and throwing tantrums. I mean, it's, it's worth watching. It's only about an hour long. Mm-hmm. And um, I was also reading the taming of the shrew and every time they'd say dialogue and it would skip, I just kind of search ahead in the PDF. So I was reading the Shakespeare along in the window next to it. It was kind of cool. Interesting. Um, yeah, I'd never read or seen Taming of the Shrew, but the ending is uh, significantly different. She's still tamed, but she says, you know, that a woman to a husband should be as uh, subject to a prince and all this other stuff. She's really drunk the Kool-Aid and mm. ready to be dominated. Of, Shakespeare was ahead of his time. Very <laughs> far ahead of his time. Yeah. All right. Well, Lise, anything mm-hmm. to add? Um, not really. Okay. Yeah, it's, we I think, covered it. Yeah, we covered it pretty good. Like the horse. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, well, so as our guest, Harvey, where where would you like to go with your uh, profile? Would you like to lead off, or do you want to see it order? Some of us. Oh do? yeah. Oh yeah. Not. Uh, I'll start. Okay. Um, I go with Moonlighting. The reason I love this show is because of Bruce Willis, and it's the beginning of a long love for this actor. So, I mean, he had done the quick shots. He was on Miami Vice. He had done little bit parts and everything. But when he finally got to be himself, it's interesting when you consider the 80s and the people who were like sex symbols in the 80s for Ben. You know, it's Schwarzenegger, it's Sylvester Stallone, but it's people like, um, well, I guess, it, when Harry met Sally. Prince. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's interesting the people who were stars and Bruce Willis, who was balding and everything, but he was still this sex symbol, which is yeah. interesting. So, but from, from Moonlighting, I obviously loved the show and loved everybody and loved everything about it. To then see him go on to do Die Hard and then just his career just take off. Um, Bruce Willis is an easy person to talk about. He, you know, big break on TV. He, I'm pretty sure he's rec- he's doing Die Hard. I think around. I think he's at the same time he's doing Moonlighting. I'm not sure. I didn't go too deep, but he did an amazing job. That first real big action star, I think. I think for somebody who I don't think looks like an action star, but he played the part perfectly. He's not muscle bound, you know, like Rocky or huge muscles like Arnold, but he's playing the part, maybe the relatable action star type of thing. Mm-hmm. And he did that perfectly through that run, through that series, Bonfire of the Vanities, Hudson Hawk, and then he kind of fell off. 
Right. And then he comes back, and then I think Pulp Fiction is really his resurgence. Oh, yeah. Really, really the comeback for him. Um, but he did great stuff, 12 Monkeys after that fifth element. And then I think maybe, I don't know, penultimate, is that the right word? Sixth Scent is when you're like, okay. Penultimate means second to last. Okay, so not that word at all. So, <laughs> so the ultimate, I think, when he gets to, when he, like, oh, this is a real actor. Sixth Sense is amazing. And one of my favorite movies, I think top 10 ever, is Lucky Number Slevin. Okay, I, I got that. Uh, never watched that. Absolutely. Yeah, I love that movie. I love that movie. Yeah. But, um, but Bruce Willis is always either David Addison or John McClane to me. Yeah. And my two of my favorite characters. He's always, that he's always Butch to me. He's always Butch. <laughs> butch. I didn't know if Floyd was dead till you told me, lady. <laughs> yeah, right. Right. He was so good. He was so good. He is yeah. so good. And obviously we know with him and his health and we don't, you know. Yeah. He, Sad. He, he's kind of secluded, kind of just. I think what's great is that he's kind of surrounded by his family, even his ex-wife. And it's 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 good. We so I think we'll get to remember him as he was, maybe not as he is, type of thing. Mm-hmm. But Moonlighting was just the beginning of my love of one of the favorite, one of my favorite actors. And I don't have any. Uh, <laughs> I was looking when you telling me what this is. I'm like, I don't do any impressions. Mm-hmm. I couldn't do. <laughs> I could say yippee kaye, but but that, that's as far as. I yeah. yeah, that's it. <laughs> but other other than that. Yeah. I love the character. I loved. I love Bruce Willis. I love the part he played. I love the chemistry or lack thereof that he had with Silver Shepherd. Um, he's fantastic. The thing is, yeah, you, you uh, can say it in your yes. own voice, and the people are still going to hear him say it. Yeah, he's one of those people that's got one of those lines that you hear it, you know where it comes from. Yeah, yeah. really. Have to and he's got a distinctive voice. He does. Oh um, yes. I know there was. Uh, I saw on talk, talk show. Demi Moore was on a talk show. And she was talking about getting Ashton a shirt, and she got a cop a, a, the same shirt for Bruce because they both liked the same shirts. And she would buy clothes for both of them. Hmm. And it, it's like, is this healthy? Is this? Uh, it sounds healthy. It sounds little new age. They're all good together. They're all friends. But you know, yeah. I mean, I guess. Oh, Ashton's moved on now. Yes, that's true. It's probably the way relationships could be when you have kids together. Probably taking it a bit too far. But the fact that they've got kids together and they're civil, so civil that she's still buying them clothes. He's married to somebody else. She's just just thinking about how the photographs are going to look. Probably. I know uh, uh, my parents, uh, after, after their divorce, it took them about two years. I guess it was 15 when they started being friends again. So that was nice for me and my brother. And uh, to the point where my mother would insist that if my dad was in a relationship, she wanted to meet and spend time with the significant others because her kids were going to be spending time with these people. Yeah. Well, that's all right. Harvey, that that was well done. Thank you very much. Lisa, why don't you do, why don't you go ahead and talk about Mr. Pesto? Okay. Now, as I may have not made it Hold clear, Pesto was my favorite <laughs> character. Uh, loved her. Thought she was really underrated uh, at times and at other times so surprisingly powerful. 
Um, I know uh, she her uh, she was played by Alice Beasley. Uh, Alice was born. Oh, Elise. Um, Elise. Elise Beasley. Yeah. Elise Beasley. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Okay, I didn't realize it was pronounced that way. Um, Elise Beasley is a stage name. Her real name is Alice Tannenberg. That's probably why I thought it was Alice, ah, yeah. even the, with the spelling. Um, she was shy and introverted growing up. Her father was a cartoonist who insisted on a quiet home so, to concentrate on his work. Um, she was a poetry writer. Uh, she got into acting when she fell in love with an actor playwright in college, a charismatic liberal student who became class president in a very, in their very conservative school. Um, her first role was in a student production comedy written by Jean-Claude Von Itali. I met her, uh, she met her husband, Vincent Chiavelli, on the set of Taxi in 1978 when Elise played Candy Bates who was an extramarital affair with Lotka. Alice gave married rec- to Vincent Chiavelli? Yep. I didn't know. Yep. Yeah. Um, she gained recognition for her role as Agnes DePesto in television's series Moonlighting, which aired from 1985 to 89. Um, and in the last episode, one of the things that, um, that Agnes says is, maybe they should have given me and uh, and Bert, our own show, our own spinoff. I would have watched that. That's one of the lines from the finale episode. So I thought that was funny. Hmm. Um, let's see. Uh, uh, other notable roles, roles that she played Coach's Daughter on Cheers, um, as we covered before. Uh, she played a receptionist in Legally Blonde. She was the voice of Playhouse Disney. Um, she is a breast cancer survivor. Now, here's something that's controversial between Philip and I. I was sitting there while I was writing up my my piece, and um, I just happened to come up a superstore uh, thing where they, you know, they show little like little side bits from superstore, little funny things. And one of the things that was really funny was this woman in what appears to be pajamas and no shoes comes out of the aisle, does some karate moves, and then falls. And I swear, it, you never see her face, but I swear it was her. I swear. I, I, I saw the same clip. I don't her. think so. It does look like yeah. her. However, mm-hmm. Alice's, uh, Elise Beasley is like 72 now, and I just couldn't imagine her doing, this I mean, maybe like she's like in ago. really good shape. But, uh, yeah. Maybe. Okay. Could be. Yeah. Um, okay. Um, Sorry. Uh, she saw the character as a very much a true side of her personality. She left New York to perform an experimental open theater in New Mexico. And the person who returned to New York from that experience was essentially Agnes DePesto. Distorted, disoriented and unorthodox in her thinking and manner. Nice, wants to help. A series of blunt encounters with New Yorkers reminded her that she really did not miss New York. That's why Agnes often seems to have her enthusiasm crushed by cynicism um, in the moonlighting, by the moonlighting, you know. On the show. On the show. Yeah. Um, she describes it as a professional set where most went their separate ways at the end of the day. Um, before her role, she appeared in a variety of shows, including guest appearances on Remington Steel and Cheers. I remember her on Remington Steel. Uh, she also had minor roles in films such as The End of Innocence and Jumping Jack Flash. I remember her in that. 
Um, aside from her screen work, she also does voice acting. Um, she provided the force, her voice to normal, numerous, blah, numerous animated series and movies, including popular shows like Rugrats, where she voiced Miss Gwyn. Additionally, she lent her voice to films like The Page Master and Aladdin and the King of Thieves. While, while Alice's portrayal of Agnes remains one of her most recognized roles, she has continued to work in the entertainment industry, both in front of and behind the scenes. All right. So your favorite, your yes, favorite. That's my favorite character actor. She's my favorite character on Moonlighting. I get it. Yeah. She's Mind cool. you, Booger's no, uh, you know. He's no slouch either. That's right. why Elise, or that's why Agnes liked her or liked him. Yes. <laughs> All right, Aaron. What do you think? You want to flip for it or? I'll go. Okay. Turn off my fan here. So, Curtis Armstrong's first film appearance was in the Tom Cruise vehicle Risky Business. But he's best known as Dudley Booger Dawson in the Revenge of the Nerds films. And he suffered from typecasting to a certain extent as a result. Um, Armstrong played Amit Erdogan, the legendary co-founder of Atlantic Records in the Jamie Foxx biopic of Ray Charles, Ray. Oh, yeah. That's right. I forgot about that. He, he also portrayed record, record executive slash manager slash music publisher Herb Cohen in the 2003 Howard Kalin film My Dinner with Jimmy, J-I-M-I. Jimi Hendrix. Um, Moonlighting was a great recurring TV role for him. In addition to playing the roles of Herbert Quentin Viola slash Bert with a U Viola slash Bert with an E Viola and Lucentio in Moonlighting, he had a role in an episode of Sybil in 1995. And that Sybil Shepherd vehicle was created by Chuck Lorre and it featured such luminaries as Christine Baranski, Peter Krause, Jane Kazmarek, Morgan Fairchild, Tom Luke Duke Wopat, and Alicia convicted Witt. sex offender Danny Masterson. Alicia Witt. Alicia Witt. Um, Armstrong played radio DJ Johnny Thunder in an episode of That 70s Show, in which he played Dungeons and Dragons with Alice Cooper as himself and Howard Hessman as the radio station manager. Wow. Other notable TV guest appearances include Lois and Clark, The New Adventures of Superman, Felicity, Ally McBeal, Third Rock from the Sun, Suddenly Susan, Ed, Psych, My Name is Earl, House, Bones, Workaholics, Scandal, and Curb Your Enthusiasm, to name a bunch. Um, notable recurring television roles include the angel Metatron in Supernatural, Peter Goldman in The Closer and Major Crimes, Dr. Foster in New Girl, and Bert in Champagne Ill. Curtis Armstrong, as himself, also co-hosted a reality competition series called King of the Nerds with Robert Carradine, who's Louis Skolnick from the Revenge of the Nerds films. Yeah, that, that was uh, 2013 to 2015. Mm -hmm. um, Armstrong does a ton of animated voice work with main roles in Disney's Monsters at Work and The Emperor's New School, um, something called The Terrible Thunder Lizards, Dan Versus, Robert and Monster, and Seth MacFarlane's American Dad, to name just a couple, a few. Um, he appears to have a role in an upcoming Barbie film, but it's not clear whether it's the Greta Gerwig, Margot Robbie film or not. Um, in addition to his acting career, he's an enthusiast of the singer Harry Nilsson. And in fact, he wrote some liner notes for CD reissues of Nilsson albums, and he's been instrumental in archival and bonus track preparation for those reissues. 
And finally, <clears throat> he's an avid fan of Arthur Conan Doyle's Sherlock Holmes stories. And in 2006, he was inducted into the exclusive invitation-only Baker Street Irregulars Club no. um, as, as quote, an actor and a rare one, unquote. <laughs> right. Fantastic, right. man. Well done. I'm wearing that, wearing that out, but it's just like I'm overwhelmed with how well done all this is. I'm sorry. Mm. I apologize. Um, Got the fan back on now. <laughs> all right. So here we go. Bat and clean up. Uh, Sybil Shepherd, Maddie Hayes. Bring those runners around. Drive them in. <laughs> Formidable hit, heavy hitter here. Um, Ducks on the pond. <laughs> bases are juiced. Sacks are packed. Howard Johnson or Kevin Mitchell coming up with bases loaded here. Um, all right. <laughs> got Mookie at third. Anxiety. Stop harassing him. <laughs> I want you. Hey, I had a baseball one time that Howard Johnson yeah. fouled off no, at Riverfront fun. Stadium mm -hmm. and brought it home, and a dog chewed it up. Man. Oh no! Our dog. I love, I love Hojo. Yeah, I forget was which. It, was it Lacey? No, it couldn't have been Lacey. Oh, couldn't okay. have been Lacey. I can't remember. But um, not that you wouldn't have forgiven her because she was right. Amazing. Right, she could do no wrong in my book. Yep. But mm -hmm. Sybil. Sybil, what I like about her is she kind of bridges a gap between old Hollywood and new Hollywood. You know, Sybil Shepherd um, started out as a uh, uh, a model, graduated to an actress, taken under the wing as some of the, the most uh, talented uh, filmmakers of all time. Um, became friends with Orson Welles and uh, some of these people that, you know, major figures from old Hollywood, Peter Bogdanovich, um, and then graduated into the era of sitcoms and stuff like that, and then became politically active and became kind of a polarizing figure, um, very outspoken. So I feel like she was a transitional female, you know, character in pop culture, not necessarily uh, a domino on the silver screen and not necessarily on television, but you know, just very kind of a critical female character um, in Hollywood history. But she was named after her grandfather and her father. Her grandfather's name was Cy and her father's name was Bill. She was born on February 18th, 1950 in Memphis, Tennessee. She was discovered by Peter Bogdanovich while she was a model on the cover of Glamour magazine and eventually made her acting premiere as J.C. Far Farlow in The Last Picture Show. J.C. Dude, yeah, with the dude, right? With uh, who she actually had a relationship with um, the dude, mm -hmm. who is Jeff Bridges, of course. Um, and they were. Did you have a relationship with Bogdanovich too? Exactly. Bogdanovich yeah. swept in and stole her from the dude, <laughs> as he as he had a habit of doing with all the starlets in his movie, like Dorothy Stratton. It was like a pattern with him. He would, you know. That so, might be why what's his name killed her. And they came, they came, they became a kind of a polarizing couple in Hollywood. Eric they, Roberts, Eric Roberts, yeah, Star Eighty, sure. Yeah. But well, yes, Dorothy. That murderous Eric Roberts. Um, <laughs> so he had this. His Bogdanovich had this uh, reputation as a flanderer, and by association, Sybil and Bogdanovich, they sort of became the most hated couple in Hollywood. <laughs> I mean, they were just kind of. Uh, I guess they'd come. They, They'd come into a restaurant, well, maybe, and had to, kids for her. had to have the, the table at the front or something. You know, like they just kind of big leagued everybody, I guess, a little bit. Um, but uh, but she went on to star in other Bogdanovich films other than um, The Last Picture Show, like The Heartbreak Kid, which is critically acclaimed. 
But eventually the films got progressively worse to the point where he wrote a film for her that she simply refused or produced a film for her that she simply refused to uh, appear in. And eventually they uh, separated. They never got married. Um, um, so it shouldn't be all about her, uh, her sex life, I guess, or her relationships, but she, you know, because it's such a central part of moonlighting, this tension between them, they did have an interlude. Bruce Willis and Sybil did have an interlude at one time where um, she turned to him at the day, end of a day of shooting and said, well, are we going to do anything about this? And so Bruce being, you know, cowboy, he was like, oh yeah. So he took like, he got some wine and some flowers, or whatever, went to her house and, um, you know, she let him in, but nothing ever was, uh, you know, consummated that evening or anything like that. Um, we never did finish what we started in private, she said, but anytime we had a kissing scene, he stuck his big camel tongue halfway down my throat. That's like so. <laughs> <laughs> so that's how she felt about that. Um, she was in her beauty pageant days. She was a Miss Teenage Memphis at the age of 16. And she she followed that up with model of the year for the state of Tennessee in 1968. Uh, and eventually that led to her initial career in modeling where she was uh, doing CoverGirl cosmetics. She was like Miss CoverGirl and um, just a total knockout. Is she linked with Elvis? Yes. She had a relationship with Elvis. Um, she was 5'9". You know, she was very tall and she represented a change in modeling because you, you think about the 60s, you had like Twiggy and Edie Sedgwick, you know, these really waifish, skinny models. Well, she was more, of a, you know, formidable, you know, tall, you know, more buxom, you know, not to get too descriptive, but she was, yeah. she was she not quite Anna Nicole Smith, but yeah. 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 Right. Um, and, and another, she had interest in other endeavors. Like she did release an album called Sybil Does It to Cole Porter in 1974, which uh, showcased her singing abilities a little bit. But uh, it's hard to imagine that wasn't somewhat tongue in cheek as well. But, uh, and also she's been, you know, and later in life, everyone knows she's been outspoken in support of the LGBT community. I wonder and, if that comes from her relationship with Cary Grant when she was younger. That could be. Yeah, Cary Grant. Um, big pro-choice activist too <laughs> right oh you mean Sybil I thought she submitted Cary Grant oh, yeah. I was like how could that we know but, um, she's very much a women's power you know but yeah. also you know some yeah. of, I'll just close out with some of her more you know other famous roles aside from Maddie Hayes and Moonlighting have been Betsy and Taxi Driver uh, Paula Pakrafiki and the Heartbreak Kid of course Martha Doolittle, Doolittle, Martha Doolittle in Martha Inc., the story of Martha Stewart, where she portrayed the famous lifestyle entrepreneur Martha Stewart. I haven't yeah. seen that, but I bet she's a good Martha Stewart. Oh, I bet she is too. Yeah. She was good. And I think she reprised it in a sequel mm -hmm. a couple years later. That's back in the age when they used to do television movies. And she. Uh, is that before she went to the joint? She did Martha on. Uh, uh, she did Martha on SNL. Yeah. At least once, yeah. Well, you know, I've covered most of her stuff outside of Moonlighting. In Moonlighting, she was Maddie Hayes, which is, of course, a model who inherited a detective agency and, you know, turned it into uh, a detective agency. Yeah. She she earned Golden Globes and Emmys. Right. Yeah. So, there we go. Did I keep it under 
eight minutes, just barely, I think. But sorry. Yeah. <laughs> mine you mine went 14 minutes one time, Harvey, when I was talking about who was it? Uh oh, that was on our uh our charmed. Yeah. Yeah, it was uh Rose uh, McGowan. Rose McGowan. Oh god. I'm Philip might have a little thing for Rose McGowan. Oh, God. <laughs> I went into uh, Maryland. Oh, Hampton, yeah. And all he went stuff. on and on. And and Girl Scouts. I'm, and all that stuff. I'm like this. <laughs> but we so been, think Harvey's time is coming to uh, an end here. So we'll yeah. let you promote your shows again. Right. And yep. Okay. Well, thank you for letting me talk about my favorite show. Sure. I don't need, <laughs> I don't need a reason. <laughs> Thanks for joining yeah. us. Thanks for oh, coming on. Yeah. Thanks for having us watch that. Oh, I, I did miss it the first time around. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm going to end up watching it again. Um, but other than that, if you want to hear me talking with men and, you know, just open space for men, if you want that, you can go to my website. It is harveylaguerre.com. All my episodes there, about 73 of them. So, you know, our talking, just opening men up. I think it's a good thing for men to be masculine. There's nothing more vulnerable. There's nothing better than a vulnerable man. And that's really my push with Matter of the Prize. But more importantly, for now, Love is Black, the podcast. That's what's going on right now. Once a week, love story that we're telling. And you can find that as loveisblackpodcast.com. And you can listen to that. Next week, I come out. It's my first. It'll be the first reading of my chapter talking about the character I'm going to be kind of playing, which is Brandon. Mm -hmm. Otherwise... Me talking about random stuff on Bracket Bastards or Masturbators, you can find me. Just type in my name. I'm on everything. All my socials is on my website. Thanks for letting me talk about moonlighting and baseball and random 80s stuff. This was fun. It was a pleasure. Thank you so yep. much. All right. Thanks yeah. for coming I, on. I, I do want to say here that's Master Debaters. Mass debaters. Sure it oh, is. Mass debaters. Debaters. Yeah. I, yeah. I felt like what was said there might have been misunderstood. No, oh, no, no. Sorry about that. Not, not, at, all. not at all. Not no, at all. No, no. You've got to be comfortable in our own skin here. Yeah. <laughs> all right, Harvey. Oh, no. I... Thanks for coming, man. That Thanks, Harvey. Well worth the wait. Yep. See you guys. Have a good one, guys. All right. Bye. Okay. Bye-bye. The world, their only parameter, and as they went, t'was with a single complaint. We, we hate iambic pentameter. pentameter. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>